to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Looking good, looking good. Come on, if, if, if Big Daniel's behaving himself in the house today, it's because his mother-in-law's here, so I've never seen him so quiet in church, and he's behaving himself. But we're so honored to have you here today. And um, I was able to go around the house and pray for her husband a, a couple of months ago now, and he went on to be with Jesus. But we're so thankful that you're here to be with us today, and we're excited to have you here. And um, we love your family. We love Daniel and Tori and their family. Don't we love Daniel and Tori? Fantastic. We love everyone in this house and we're so glad you're here. I'm so excited today. We're going to be talking about vision. Say with me, vision. Vision. Vision is so great because it involves you. It involves me. It involves us together. So we're talking about Vision Sunday today. And more specifically just about vision, we're talking about the vision of this church, what you can be a part of. I want every one of you in here to do something for me right now, and that's close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Keep them closed. Don't worry. No one's going to come and hit you or steal something from you or take something. But I'm going to ask you a question while your eyes are still closed. And the question is this. What do you see? Probably not much, huh? Someone said darkness back there. You don't see a lot, do you? You can open your eyes now. I don't want you to fall asleep in the house of God. But it's amazing when you close your eyes and you shut off the vision, you see darkness. You see nothing. And unfortunately today, we are living in a society, a time, where there are so many people who are walking or living through life with literally like their eyes are closed, that there's no direction for their life, there's no purpose, there's no meaning. It's like there's darkness, there's disarray, there's confusion all around. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to confuse us. He wants to put us into darkness. But one of the things that Jesus said when he came to this world was, he says, I am light. Notice when Jesus created the world, what was the thing he spoke? He said, let there be light. From the beginning, he wanted to show forth that there would be light. And he wants to be light and illumination so people don't have to live in darkness, that people don't have to stumble through life and question, am I going to make it? What's my purpose? What's the reason why I'm here? Am I a mistake? All these things that there can be vision. Say with me, vision. There can be vision. And people must have vision because if they don't see, if they stumble around, the behavior, the actions of their life are going to be a part of that, a result of that. And it doesn't only affect their life, but those who are Christians with no vision too behave in the same manner. That you don't know your purpose. You don't know what you're here to do. And as a result, you don't accomplish anything great. And your life has no real significance and meaning. Well, I'm here today to encourage every one of you. 
that as a church, as a body of believers, as people who have said, Jesus, come into my life, we shouldn't live like that. One person agrees with me, fantastic. I said, we shouldn't live like that. We should have purpose. We should have direction. We should have hope in our life. I shared this story earlier, but a number of years ago, a young man came right here at the front of the platform when I gave an appeal a number of years ago, and he gave his life to Jesus. And after the service, I went over to that young guy, and I just held him in my arms because he was weeping and crying. And he shared with me just the lack of direction of his life at that time and and just how the circumstance of his family and just everything was just a mess. And he was confused. He didn't know which way to turn. And he thought the only option he had was to join the armed forces and maybe find a stability or direction for his life. But that day, God grabbed a hold of his life and gave him purpose. That young man was Trey Kelly. plays the drums Through finding purpose in the house of God, he found a wife in the house of God. He's now got a beautiful baby. He's now a part of a bigger family. What are you trying to say? How many people are there like Trey who are searching for something? And that's what's so important about being a part of a vision. Being in a church that's got vision, that's got life. That people can come in who are blinded and they can leave with sight. They can leave with direction. And they can leave with hope. You see, the vision of this church is to make sure that everyone here realizes they have a place and they have a part to play. You're not out of place, you're in place. You've got an important part to play. Whatever it may be, some people may say, well, I'm just sitting on the bench. I don't have, you know, I was watching LSU yesterday and they had a lot of people who were on the bench that had to play on the game. They were getting injuries after injuries after injuries and they had to bring. You know what? Just because you're on the bench, that's just as important because when you're needed, you've got to be ready. So don't ever think that your part that you're playing is insignificant or not important. That's why I always say this here, that I think one of the most important ministries here in this church is not our worship team. It's not what I do. It's what's done in the nursery as people are taking care of kids. Because what they're doing is they're creating an atmosphere where people, parents, can be in here and they can be touched. And not only parents can be touched, but people who don't have kids can be touched because there's nothing worse than screaming, crying kids to distract what God can do. Come on. So don't tell me that's not an important ministry. You see, everyone's got a part to play. And together... That's what vision is, coming together. Look what the Bible says about vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18, it says, Where there is no revelation or no prophetic vision or voice, the people will cast off restraint. That may not really mean much to you in that kind of wording, but let me break it down to you in how I believe the Word of God is telling us. It says, if there is no vision or guidance in your life, you're going to live out of control. The Message Bible says you're going to run wild. There's a lot of people out of control. There's a lot of people in church who are out of control. Do I hear an amen or an oh my? Help us, God. But we need to come under vision because when there is vision, there's direction and hope. Vision is like the banks of a river. A river can only flow where it needs to go because of the banks that steer it and direct it. 
If a river overflows its banks, guess what happens? Devastation. There's flooding. There can be loss of life. There can be a disaster that takes place. Our lives can be like that. We've got so much potential. But if we overflow, if we don't have the constraints, guess what? We can cause harm to those around. So a river is held in check. It is directed and is able to flow because of the banks that are on each side of it. But listen, there's something greater than that. The closer the banks are together, the faster the river will flow. You see, when you stepped into this church, you stepped into a river. You stepped into vision. And there's banks. But as you buy into that, as you become a part of it, as you say, Pastor Philip, I want to be involved. I want to build my family. Guess what happens? The vision becomes more and more defined in your life. And your life goes further than you ever thought it possibly could go. You see, vision is not about me. Vision is about me and someone else 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 and someone else. I can only do so much, but two of us can do so much more. Three of us can even do more. Four of us. You see what happens when we all come together and we function together? Remember, vision is not about just being in the same place. The Bible says when they were all in one accord when they were under one anthem, when they had one heart, when they had one goal, that was when the power of God was able to move. You can have a lot of people in the same place, but it doesn't mean we all want the same things. That's not where vision comes. Vision comes through unity, harmony, joining together and saying, God, we want you. And we want you to be connected. We want you to be part of something that we believe is so powerful. You know what God's heart is? God's heart is the local church. God's church or God's heart is right here to empower the local church that people will come and get the training, the help, the encouragement, the strength that they need in the local church. And that's why we believe and that's why we want you to come under the vision of this house. We believe that when you become a part of the vision of this house, you're going to be released into greater blessings. You're going to be used in a greater capacity than you could ever been used before. It's not restricting your life, but releasing the greatness of God into your life. Why? Because the vision of this church is not just to say, well, you do this, you do that, and you do this. You be in the nursery, you do this. We want you to be plugged in and we want you to be involved, but the vision of this church is greater than that. The vision of this church is for you to see the plan and purpose that God has for your life for your life, a life that may reach beyond this church as perhaps God calls you onto the mission field or God calls you to other locations. But we would fail our job if we hadn't given you the tools and the necessary direction and strength that you needed to take that next step. You see, the vision of this church is to see you make the next step in life and the next step and the next step. And we pray that one of those steps is not out of here, but if that's what God wants, we want that for you too. But we pray that people will grow, that people's lives will be impacted, that they'll realize that we were saved for a purpose. We've got to realize and grasp the fact that God has a plan for our life. Because if we can't see that God has a plan for our life and God can't use us, then we can never affect or impact people around us. We can't make the difference that He wants us to make. Part of that plan, I believe, involves for us being connected and a part of vision. We're not perfect here, I understand that, but know our heart is right and we're trying to live for God and to serve God and lead people in the way of God. 
But you know what? If you want authority and position in your life, you must first come under it. A lot of people want authority, but you won't be in authority until you first come under authority. And that's what you've got to realize here. That your position in yourself in a vision, you're saying, I want to be a part of that. I want to come under that. And as a result, God can release things into your life. Look at the vision of our church. The vision of our church is so simple and so easy, and I want it to be like that so you can grasp a hold of it. Heartseeds Family Life Church is what? A place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. Let me say that one more time. Heartseeds Family Life Church is a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. The vision, the culture, of our churches, we want to be a place where people can come in and they can discover life. They can experience Jesus. They can find salvation because outside of that, nothing else is life. Jesus is life. Come on, do I hear an amen? But it doesn't stop just at salvation. And we're going to see that, that God wants our lives to be impacted across the board. But then we believe in love, that love just happens that we'll give love, that we'll feel love, and then what happens, that the purpose of God is revealed in each and every heart in this place. You see, we want to create a culture. Here's the culture that we want to create, a safe place. A safe place. A lot of times people can think of safe. You know when people say they're playing it safe and they kind of play it down a little bit? That's not what we're talking about, a safe place. We're not talking about a safe place where people are not going to be offended when they perhaps come in here. We're not talking about a safe place where we're going to go easy on people and we're not going to call sin, sin, and we're not going to say there's a hell and we're not going to mention things like that and we're not going to talk about the blood of Jesus. We're not going to talk about the Holy Spirit. That's not what we're talking about in a safe place because that's not creating a safe place. That's a dangerous place because we're excluding the power, the presence, the privilege that we have for God's presence and power to be in the house. But what we're talking about, a safe place is this, that when people come in these doors, you know that they're going to hear the power of God, that you know that they're going to hear the word of God. It's not fluff and stuff. It's God's word, which is truth. And the Bible says the truth we know will set us free. If people don't know the truth, they can't live in freedom. Do I hear an amen? So they've got to first know the truth. So it's a safe place that you can know that truth is going to be taught. It's a safe place that you know you're going to be challenged for things in your life. It's a safe place where you know the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be able to move. It's a safe place where, you know, we plan to have you out by 12.20. But you know what? We may go to 12.20 tonight if God wants to move. That's the kind of culture and environment that we're creating here. You can leave wherever you want, but you can stay as long as you want. It's a safe place. A safe place. A place of security. A place where you can come in. And you can sense the presence of God. You can know God. A place where you can bring people and you know they're going to be taught the truth. You know that they're going to have an opportunity to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's a safe place. I'm so glad that it's a safe place that I want to bring my family up in. I want to see my family, my children serve in the house. You see, we want to create a a culture where we see the vision of God accomplished. Through the lives of individuals as we come together under one banner. You know what the church should really be? You know what vision and culture really is? 
It should be a big family. A big family. And unfortunately today, family is not what it used to be. But family needs to be once again reinstated back in society. Come on, parents. We need some parents that are going to step up. Come on. We're not called to be friends for our kids. We're called to be parents for our kids. We're called to create an environment for our kids to live in. They may not always like it, but you know what? Sorry. I've got to lead you in the truth. I've got to tell you what's right. And one day, guess what? You're going to love me for it. I thought my parents, I thought they were sent to earth when I was a kid just to make my life miserable. But you know what? Every day I call them when they're not here in America. I call them in England every day. They're my best friends now. You know why? Because they loved me. They disciplined me. They corrected me. They weren't in it for a popularity vote. They were in it because they knew the responsibility that God had put on their lives to raise me in the fear and admonition of God. Come on, it's a family. That's what vision is. That we can pull together. That we can grab a hold of things together. That one, one person's down. What does a family do? Come on, we rally. We help. When someone's in need, what do we do? We rally to meet the need. When someone's down, we visit them. We help them. We encourage them. We strengthen them. We don't laugh at their failures, but we protect. We come around and we help. Come on, that's the vision of this church, to be a part of something that's bigger than you, that helps you make it through the struggles and the hardships and the trials. Perhaps you're not like this, but sometimes I feel broken when I come into the church. Have you ever felt broken coming into the church? But isn't it amazing how people can rally around you? And they can lift your spirit. They can encourage you. That's what vision is. That's what the culture of our church is. I want to look at that word culture, if I could, for a moment. Looking at two definitions. The first definition is this. The total of inherited ideas, beliefs, values, and knowledge which constitute the shared basis of social action. In other words, culture is when people share beliefs come together with one kind of purpose and goal, and then what happens? Then they can have action according to coming together. There's action that takes place as a result of coming under that. That's a good definition. How many would say that's a good definition? And that's an important definition, and that's truly what culture is. I didn't write that. That's what they tell us culture is. But Trey sent me an email a couple of weeks ago, and he said, Pastor Philip... I love this definition I came across for culture. And look at this one. It says this. Culture is the growing of microorganisms, tissue cells, or other living matter in a specifically prepared nutrient medium. How many remember science class when you were at school? Some of you are remembering it too clearly because you're still in science class. Good. Listen. Pay attention. I remember in science class how they would give you a petri dish or a petri dish, whatever you call it. And then it was this gel kind of stuff. And one of the things that you had to do was you had to create a culture on it. You put something on that and you created a culture. But you controlled what really happened to that. I love that picture of culture and that is this. The church is the petri dish. 
And on that, we can control the, growth, the, the culture, the growth in your life. Don't think we're trying to manipulate you. We're not trying to brainwash you. We're not trying to misuse you. We're not trying to misguide you. But according to God's word, we're trying to create a culture that you can grow on, that you can thrive on, that your family can grow on, that your life, your future can grow on. Isn't that a cool thought? You see, the culture of our church is not the culture of the church down the street or the culture of the church over there or over here. There's a lot of great churches in town. A lot of great churches in this town. There's a lot of great churches throughout this whole world. But you know what? God hasn't called us to be one of them. God's called us to be us. God's called us to be us. God's called us with a unique purpose, with a unique calling, and that makes us different. Our flavor is slightly different. You know, if I was to ask every one of you in here, what's your favorite restaurant or your favorite dish, probably we would have multiple different answers. And that doesn't mean that your dish is any better than mine. It just means that's the flavor and the choice and the appetite that you like. Churches are like that. There's a lot of different flavors, a lot of different things out there that doesn't fit everyone, but we're glad this is a fit for you. We're not going to adapt to you. I don't mean that unkind. We're going to be true to what God has called us to do. Come on, we're not trying to please everyone else because when we try to please everyone, we're going to end up pleasing nobody. We're going to be true to what God has called us. We've got a dish. We've got a culture that we're growing here. And we want you to be a part. Why? Because it's a safe place. We want that as a pastor. My desire is to see people. I've seen so many people who are getting lost in craziness. And people are using this to manipulate people. They're using this to fleece people and take all their money and take their lives. But I'm telling you, we're creating a culture that's not going to take from you. We're creating a culture that's going to see benefits and reaping rewards in your life. Because that's the kind of God. God has given a vision of how we're going to touch this world. And here's how we're going to touch this world. Starting one life at a time. Because we recognize here that every person is important to God. We're not a number-driven church. It's not about how many people we have. We're a soul-driven church. It's about how many people we're impacting, reaching for the kingdom of God. The success of our church is not in how big we get. The success of our church is how great a reach we have. How many people we're impacting. How many lives and families have been restored and put back together. How many people have been healed. Come on. How many people have been set free. Come on. How many people are seeing their life turned around for the kingdom of God. You see, we want you to be a part of the DNA of this house. I love those forensic shows on TV. They're some of my favorites. Anyone else likes watching them? Some of the CSI, some of the forensic files, the Dateline shows, just some of those kind of things. And, and it's just so fa- fascinating when you see some of these crimes that were committed maybe 30, 40 years ago and they boxed up all the evidence, but they didn't have the resources. They didn't have technology like they do now. So they open up that box and they bring the clothing out and from a hair that was on a sweater or something like that, they were able to determine that this person was was innocent or this person was guilty. And it just blows me away to think of the power that there is in DNA. 
Just a piece of someone's saliva, a, a little drop of someone's blood, just a little piece or an entire hair that can do what? It can identify someone. One piece can identify a whole person. Just one piece of evidence can identify. You see, we want you to be part of the DNA of this church. What does that mean? When one piece is taken out of the house, if you're in your workplace, if you're in your car, if you're in the mall, if you're in Walmart, wherever you're at, that you can represent the whole that you're a part of. That people won't have to look and say, well, what's the heart of your pastor? They'll see the heart of this church because they'll see it evident in your life. They'll see what we believe and what we teach in this church by the way you live outside of this church. Do I hear an amen or an oh my? You see, being part of vision is saying I'm part of that. That when you are out of here, guess what? You should still represent and show forth what God is doing. And that's why we teach like this. That's why we have vision Sundays. So you can know what you're a part of. That you can get connected. That you can get involved. You can know the place that you can play. So let's break down our vision today. It says where life starts. Hartsey's Family Life Church is where life starts and the starting point has to be Jesus. The starting point is always Jesus. You know what? You don't know life until you know Jesus. A lot of people out there think they're living life large and grand, but life does not start till you know Jesus. So we believe that life starts at salvation, the conversion experience where someone says, God, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But the Bible says that we're saved by grace and not of ourselves. We receive a gift of Jesus that he gives to us. What an incredible gift, the gift of Jesus, the gift where life starts. Look what it says in John 14, verse 6. Jesus says, here's the gift that I want to give to you. Here's what I am. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. He doesn't say a way, a truth or a life. He says the truth. If I was to say to you right now, leave this room by a door, there's three options that you could take. One back there, one back there and one back there. Jesus doesn't say I am a one of many Jesus says, I am the way. Like me saying, we are going to leave this room by that door or the door at the back. Specifically indicating the direction of where we are to go. Not giving it up for debate or choice. Jesus says, I am the way. There's no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So life starts with Jesus. John 10.10 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill. and you, You've got to hear that. It always touches me when I write down those words. The thief does not come except to steal, kill and destroy. Except to, except to. Devil's plan is to do nothing else but destroy people's lives. It's amazing how many people think the devil's their friend. It's amazing how many people are listening to the devil. Remember, if his lips are moving, he's lying. Come on, the devil can't talk the truth. He'll twist the truth. He'll manipulate the truth. But you've got to realize Satan wants to kill you. He wants to destroy. He wants to take what? Life from you. He wants to suck life. Have you ever felt him sucking the life from you? Have you ever felt like that? 
But notice there's not a period, there's not an end right there that we have to kind of sit and think about that for long because Jesus doesn't want us to dwell on the fact what Satan wants to do. Jesus wants us to realize the power of what he is able to do. He says he can do all that, but hold on a second, here we go. I have come that you may have Jesus says not just life, but abundance of life, an overflow of life. Not for you to be miserable and live a mere existence and struggle through life and say, poor me. Oh, I know I'm a Christian and I'm struggling. What kind of example are you? Jesus said as a child of God that you shall have life, salvation. And as a result of salvation comes what? Fullness of life, joy, peace, comfort. Come on, the blessings that God wants to give with you. Come on, say with me, abundance. Jesus wants us to have abundance in our life. In other words, life begins at salvation, but then it continues into abundance. I like what brother Larry Stockstall says about the cross. An incredible picture. He says the cross is like a door. Or the door. Not a door. The door. He says, and when you come to Christ, you enter through that door. And it opens up to you a whole new world of possibilities. Think about that. You're in darkness. And you open up and all of a sudden, just everything that's available to you by way of the cross. What a beautiful picture. That it's not the ending, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of your life. Oh, I've just made it to Jesus, now life is over. No, life is just beginning. Life begins in Jesus. Life begins, and as a result of stepping in or stepping through the door, coming to the cross, guess what? Your life should be changed positively. If people are looking at you since you got saved and said you're more miserable than you used to be, you need to come back to the cross. Come on, you've gone through the wrong door. Do I hear an amen? That's not Jesus. Because your life will be impacted and changed. Why? Because we believe that your life or every area of your life will be touched. That you will see the will of God increase into every area of your life. Look at Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has began a good work. Say salvation. He's began salvation. I'm saved. I'm never going to be more saved. So don't worry about that. I'm saved. But guess what? He wants to complete you. He wants to build you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants for life to increase in you every day. And Jesus makes a promise to you that he's going to complete that if you will remain faithful to him. You see, life does not only affect you spiritually where life starts, but it also affects you here. Let's look at a few things that are affected by salvation and life. Number one, there'll be life in your home. There'll be new life in your home. Come on, you'll be a better person across the board. I believe as a result of coming to Jesus, you'll be a better parent. You'll be a better pastor. You can say amen, that's cool. You can say amen. You're going to be a better friend. You're going to be a better husband. You're going to be a better wife. You're going to be a better child. In other words, you're going to be a better person. Why? Because when you're saved and you give your life to Christ, life doesn't end, remember? God wants to work in your life. God wants to build your character. God wants to restore your reputation. God wants to make you a man or woman of your word to have integrity in your life. God wants to build your life. Come on, let me talk about parenting for a few moments. Some of you did not have the privilege that I had to be brought up in a godly home, to be taught the truth of God. 
In fact, some of your lives and what you had to go through were rough and tough. You were brought up in a single home, perhaps. You were brought up by parents who really you almost had to bring up. And there's all these stories that we could tell, and you know your story. But you know what? Just because you came from a broken, wrecked family, you've got to realize that that doesn't have to cripple your future. A lot of people are living a crippled future because they say that's the environment I was brought in. Listen, you can't choose your parents, but you can choose what to do with your life. You can't choose the decisions others made and what was done to you, but you can choose the decisions that you're going to make for your life. And if you want to use that as an excuse and a crutch for your life, then you are living someone else's life and not the life that God wants you to live. You see, what I'm talking about vision is this. It's so powerful, but that maybe you don't know through example, through witnessing and seeing and understanding. Maybe you don't know how to be the parent that you need to be because you didn't have one. But vision means that I can come into a place and through God's word I can discover what it means to be a parent. By the godly examples of others around me, I can learn by godly example of what it means to be a parent. And it's never too late to start. Some people can look and say, well, I've blown it because it's too late. No, it's never too late. I said this earlier, the only time it's too late is if you never start then it's too late. But you see, I can learn. Vision means I can discover what does it mean to be a better friend, a better person, through the Word of God and through the examples of others. And as we discover God's Word each and every week, one of them that we'll realize is it's, it's alive and it's real for what? To bring what? Life into my home, to make me a better person, to help me. You know, tonight with the married class, you need to come because that's tools that helps you to be a better spouse, to be a better husband, wife, parent, all these things. You know what? It may not happen happen overnight. But it's a process that if you remain faithful into, it's going to happen. Notice the word faithful. You've got to remain faithful to it. You've got to be faithful to it. That means when you don't feel like coming to church, you need to be faithful to the house. That means when you don't feel like doing this or doing that, you've got to do it. You need to be here. When I was a kid, I was brought up to run to the house of God. If there was a problem, we went to the house of God because we were taught that's where our answer was. Now when you don't see people for a few weeks and you call them and say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? Man, I'm going through a lot. Well, where have you been? I'm just going through some stuff, so I just haven't been able to come. Come on, we've got to run to the house. We've got to run to the house, the source, the strength of our lives. Why? Because it makes us a better person. Those of you who have unsaved loved ones, I'm telling you too, faithfulness will win them over. If they see you wishy-washy, if they see the lack of commitment in your life, why should you want... Why should they see the need to be committed? Your faithfulness and your commitment. You see the vision of this house? It's more than just saving people's lives. But it's helping you to be better a person in your home, around your family, that you'll see the rest of your family saved. Come on, the vision of this house is household salvation. Come on, church will make your home a different place. A better place, a place of peace, security, comfort and growth. That's part of life, but it's not it. Listen to this. We believe in life and your finances. 
We believe there's life that's going to come to your finances. Our culture here in this church is to give to God and not reluctantly or sparingly, as Corinthians says, but cheerfully, joyfully. We believe it's an honor. It's a privilege to give to God. The Bible says that everything we have is His. Come on, it's already His. He's blessed us with it. Come on, we bring our tithe. We don't give our tithe because it's not ours to give. It's His to bring. That we bring it to God. We bring that which is already his. Tithe means one-tenth, but that's just the starting point. And trust me, I'm not using this opportunity to manipulate anyone and say, oh, here we go, church is all about money. This church is not all about money. This church is all about obedience and blessing. And that's what we teach. If you're obedient to the word of God, blessings are going to come. God said it himself. If you bring the tithe into my storehouse, I'll open up the windows of heaven. And they're not like a little porthole. They're a mighty floodgate that wants to sweep you off your feet and knock you down and bless you so much that you can be a blessing to other people. It's not me trying to manipulate you. It's me trying to tell you the blessings and the benefits that come. Salvation is awesome. Thank God for it. There's nothing like it. But I want to be a better person in my home. I want to see life in my finances and everything that I have. You see, our vision is to teach you to be a good steward with what God has given you. The problem today is we lack stewardship. We lack discipline in our giving. Money is a test from God and many of us are failing the test. Stewardship, the definition of being a steward is this. One who manages or handles or takes care of. Of someone else's possessions, money that's not yours, but you're managing someone else's. You know who you're managing? You're managing God's possessions and wealth that he is entrusting with you. You see, paying your tithe doesn't mean you don't have responsibility for the rest. Paying your tithe just means you're putting God first, but you now need to also be a good steward of what's going on around and what's going on in your life. We believe and teach that giving is not just Old Testament. It's not just under the law. It's also a part of grace. It's in the new covenant. It's still part of today. How do we know this? Because God says this in his word. I am a God that doesn't change. He's not changing his word. He's not schizophrenic like we are so many times. He's truth. He's life. He says, have I not said it? So shall it not come to pass. So shall it not be. As we give God his portion, he promises to redeem the rest. You know what that means? Say with me, take care of it. God's going to take care of you. If you give God his portion, I don't know how it works. You know, here's the deal. Mathematically, I can't figure it out how 90% with God goes further than 100% without. I don't know how that works, but I'm telling you it works. I'm telling you it works. And if you don't believe it works, I'm telling you the reason you don't believe it is because you don't do it. Because I've been around so many people this world over and everyone who ties has the same testimony that God has blessed me beyond my wildest dreams and beyond any hopes. You see, God takes, God blesses, and God multiplies only that which is given to him. God blesses, God multiplies, and God takes that which is what? Given to him. It's like the five loaves and the two fishes. Until it was given to God, it could not be blessed. It could not be multiplied. And it could not receive. You see, we believe in seeing life in your finances. We believe in seeing blessings. We believe in seeing jobs and promotions. We believe in God blessing you. But remember, stewardship is required from you. Required from you. We've said this many times. If you can't pay your tithes on $100, you'll never pay it on 10000 
The culture of this church, too, is not to say that everyone in here is going to be a millionaire. We'd be lying to you if that was the truth. And you know why most of us will never be millionaires? Because God knows we couldn't handle it. God knows we couldn't handle it. It would destroy us. It would break the relationships. It would take away our first love, Jesus. But you know what we are doing? And you know what the culture and the vision of this church is? We're to teach people to be good stewards with what God has given to us. We're building a culture that you can be a part of where blessings take place. Look at this, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2. Jesus says these words, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you up on high above all nations of the earth. And these blessings shall come upon you. I love this next part. And overtake you. That means tomorrow morning, God's got some blessings that are waiting for me. That's the God I'm talking about. In my future, God's already setting up things for me. Come on, for my care, for my well-being. Why? Because I'm obeying God and I'm being true to His Word. There's life that comes as a result of being a part of that. And He says, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Read the whole chapter, a great chapter, but don't stop at verse 14. You better read 15 on too, because the Bible says there's also curses that you can bring to yourself. And that's not to obey God, to obey God. I remember Saul, I was reading this with Luke just the other night in his Bible. that God came to Saul and said, I need you to do something for me. And Saul said to the prophet one day, I've done everything that God asked. No, he hadn't. He kept the best for himself. He kept the best. God told him to kill all the enemy, kill all the sheep, kill everything. I don't want anything left. And Saul kept the best. He killed all the people. He did all that. But he kept all the best. And then when he was challenged, Saul said these words. Well, it wasn't me that did it. It was the people. He blamed other people for something that he had done. And God said to him these words, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Because then Saul tried to say, well, I just kept the best for God. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. And that's what the prophet said. To obey is better than to give what you think to God. Obey God. Obey God. To obey God. Got to move on for time, but quickly. So it's not only life for your home, your finances. I believe, too, that life, salvation, means that there's life in your body. Come on, there's healing. There's wellness that comes. We can create a culture where miracles take place. Come on, I believe the realm of expectancy and anticipation is the breeding ground for miracles. That God can move when we create. Our culture is that people can come in one way and they can leave the other. That we'll see healings, we'll see miracles, we'll see victories taking place. Get ready, we're going to see it. Get ready, we've already seen it. But we've only seen a taste of what God's going to do in this place. Come on, are people with cancer are going to be restored? We're going to see people coming out of wheelchairs. We're going to see people running. We're going to see deaf ears open, blinded eyes. We're going to see people who are unable to conceive children give birth. We're going to see great things take place. We're going to see marriage is restored. We're going to see families put back together. We're going to see healings, 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 healings in this place. And let me say something else. It's not just life and miracles in your body, but I believe there's health that's going to come in people's bodies. It's a culture we're creating where people will get healthy. They'll make healthy decisions. Why? Because you don't just get healthy, you become healthy. It's a process. You've got to buy into that. You've got to be a part of it. But come on, life starts at salvation, but it continues to increase from that point. Church is about doing life together, helping each other, encouraging, leading, at times correcting people. 
but life. The culture of this church is where life starts, a safe place where Jesus is lifted up. And he said, if I'm lifted up, I'll do the rest. Jesus wants to do it in your life, in your finances, in your body, in every aspect of your life. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally and physically, he wants to give you life. And let me begin to wind this down. The next part of our vision statement is life starts, love happens. Love happens. Why does love happen? Our culture is to love people. Our culture is to be no respecter of people. I asked my leaders in a leaders meeting a number of months ago. And I said to them, if there's one thing that we can do and be the best at it, what is the one thing that we would do? I asked every one of them to jot down on a piece of paper. Would that, what would that one thing be? And every one of us unanimously across the board said these thoughts. To love people. To love people. You see, that's the culture that we want. We want people to come in, no matter how they look, how they're dressed, we want them to be loved. We're not going to judge people because they don't know any different. But they can come into an environment where they can be loved and changed from the inside out. You know what? They say you can take a pig and put clothes on it, but as soon as it finds a mud pit, it's going to be back. Why? Because inside it's still a pig. Come on, we want people to be changed from the inside, that the story of their life is changed. And when the inside is changed, the outside automatically changes. Because God, His Holy Spirit, is the one that brings the change. Our culture is to love people. You know, something happens. Listen to this. Something happens in the environment of love. You know what happens? Hearts are melted. Those who are wounded find healing. Those who are broken find hope. Something happens in an environment of hope and love. What happens? People are open to receive. And the love that our culture is built upon and our church is built upon is God's love that we see in 1 Corinthians 30. Love is patient, kind. It does not envy. It's not about itself, but it's about touching other people. It's love that's out there reaching and giving. Why? Because it's love about Him. But love doesn't just need to happen in here. Remember we talked about being part of the DNA that when we're taken out of here and we're in our workplaces and in our homes, guess what? We need to take that love to other people. We need to carry that hope. The person in the cubicle beside you, you maybe haven't been able to tell them about Jesus, but let them feel Jesus. Let them sense Jesus for your love. How do you know this? Because John 13 verse 35 says, Love can be that which identifies us. The Bible says that they will know that you are my disciples. That means a follower of me. By what? By the way you look, by the way you dress, by the car you drive, by how much money you've got in the bank. No, that's not what God says. God says people will identify you as a child of God. By what? The love that you have. The love and compassion that you have for other people. It's easy to love the lovable, isn't it? But God wants us to love even those who are not so lovable. And thank God someone else did that, because if they didn't, you wouldn't be here today. We've got to reach through barriers. We've got to reach through cultures. You know what I was just reading the other day? Paul stood up to the people and he said, you know that there's only one bloodline in God? We all came from the same father. So when we start looking and say this race and that race, there's one race, the human race. And the only distinction in the human race is those who are saved and those who are not saved. Color's not the distinction that the world has made it today. That you're this and you're that. No, we come from one bloodline. We come from Father Adam through God. 
And as a result, all the different nations and the cultures in the world, but we're one in God. Love what covers every barrier that man has put up. It breaks down every wall and every barrier. Come on, that's our vision, to be his hands and feet, reaching of love. And then purpose is revealed. The divine plan for your life, I believe, will be discovered as you serve and connect yourself into the house. Your future begins. I could go on weeks and weeks and talk about vision, about our church, the culture that we want to create. But listen to this. The vision of our church and the culture we want to create is nothing if it doesn't involve you. All it is is words on a wall. All it is is a plan on a piece of paper. But vision requires your involvement. Because I can't do it on my own. Our leadership team can't do it on our own. We need everyone to say, you know what? I want to be a part of a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. Let me give you this illustration, and then I'm going to pray. There's three things that you can be today. You can be a carrot, you can be an egg, or you can be a coffee bean. A carrot, an egg, or a coffee bean. And I want to ask you today, what are you? You may say, Pastor P, you've gone crazy on us. If I was to take a bowl of boiling, boiling water, which would represent life, because life can be tough and hard at times. But if I was to take a carrot and put it into that, under the pressures and the heat of life, you know what happens to that carrot? It gets soft. If I was to take an egg and put it in the same pressures and the struggles and the trials. You know what happens to that egg? gets hard. But if I was to take a coffee bean and put it into that water, you know what would happen? The water wouldn't change the coffee bean. Why? Because the coffee bean changes the water. You know what I want? I want coffee beans in this church. Not meaning we're perfect and we've got it all together, because I don't. But thank God for His grace and mercy. But I want people who are not getting soft or hard. But I want people who are affecting the surroundings of their life. Come on, we want people who are not a thermometer, because a thermometer changes for the temperature. We want people who are a thermostat that can come into an environment and change the temperature, because that's what a thermostat does. Come on, we're going to be coffee beans for Jesus. The vision of our church is to see life start, love happen, and what? Purpose revealed in people's lives. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Just one.